This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Alex Chateras here with another Jets episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me is always my buddy, my co-host, my pal, the man with the plan, the one and only, the one and only, John Malika. What up, John? The mood today. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. You know what it is. Feeling good, man. Always happy when I get on the on the mic and get to record Jets, Knicks with you, man, or, talk, or just shoot the shit, whatever. It's always fun. Before we get into figuring out how you're doing today, John. Everyone, you know what the call is. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe to this podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. We are we there. Are there. On top of that, we're on YouTube now as well. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. And make sure to hit that like button because it's just the right thing to do. While you're there, we got winning picks weekly. John, video producer Greg, who's also on this podcast with us today. Make sure to check out their podcast. They go down the NFL slate. They're going to be doing some NBA betting. But guess what? Super Bowl Sunday is this week. You need prop bets. You need boxes. You need money lines. You need all that good stuff. These guys got you. They got you covered. Top to bottom. Exact scores. Yeah, these guys are going to get it all right. (laughs) Don't worry. If you need help, these guys are the ones to call. And last but certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We are there. We are John, there. how are you doing, bro? How are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, I'm trying to hold my cool with this uh, NBA trade deadline. Less than 24 <laughs> hours away. Trying, 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 trying to hold myself, trying if, to contain myself. If people could only be in that group chat. I feel so bad for Ricey. I really feel <laughs> bad for Ricey. That man just gets... We're teaching him some things. We're, we're, he gets fluttered with just this guy has this guy has free free access to salary cap knowledge he knows about trading players mid-season and how you can only trade them for, he understands why damian lillard's value is dropping <laughs> he's learning to collect the bargaining agreement for free over there so i don't feel bad for him but i do feel bad for myself for being a new york knicks fan and the fact that we cannot win a single game and i'm staying up late on this west coast trip to watch these games uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm a little anxious brutal. about that. I'm a little, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little anxious about this trade deadline that if you're, when you're listening to this, it has, it has already passed. So, um, I am, uh, I'm either in great spirits right now or in bad spirits in, the, in, in talking to future John. But right now, dude, I'm good. I'm really optimistic about the New York Jets. And so I'm, I, I love talking to New York Jets right now. This is my favorite season for the New York Jets because the optimism is so high. That four and thirteen season is so far away from my memory. Like I, I, I can barely remember that number. <laughs> and we are, we are, we have our coaches at the Senior Bowl, which makes me care about the Senior Bowl more than ever before. So I, I, I've never been this engaged this early into the draft process. And luckily, luckily for us, this year for our first year, we got our video producer Greg, the guy who got me into. You know, treating the NFL draft process like a holiday, which then bled into me 
caring about the NBA draft process with you and treating that like a holiday. So the draft has become honestly, uh, especially as a New York Knicks and New York Jets fan. Oh like, God, the the, the the draft the draft has become my the draft is the season. What are we talking yeah. about? The draft has been the season for the last <laughs> for the Jets. Actually, the draft has been the season for the Jets for like the last ten years. For the Knicks, the draft has been the season for the last twenty years, and we still have not addressed the goddamn point guard. Still haven't, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, I don't want. Well, don't we, get me. Don't get me started we, we, because don't get me it'll started, happen, man. We addressed the quarterback. We got the quarterback for Zach Wilson, dude. It'll That's happen true. One day. That's true. One day. One day it will happen. But guys, as John, as I already stated, we also got our video producer Greg with us today. He's back again because, like I said, and if you haven't listened to the Knicks pod, the other Jets pod, this is our resident draft expert right here for the NFL. Okay, we actually got some insight knowledge. This man might as well have one of the credential cards to be on the sideline. Who the hell knows? This guy probably was there with Ron Middleton at Senior Bowl, and we didn't even know it. But Greg, how are you doing today, man? How you been? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the uh, the accolades, whether how true they are or not. We'll see come this draft because I got some strong. Well, if they're well, they players. they got to be better than uh, your, your betting, right? It's got to be better than your betting, right? <laughs> yeah, betting, you know, betting wasn't great. We'll see this week again. Winning picks weekly. You know, we got some good props coming up. Uh, we'll do the fun ones, obviously, coin toss, Gatorade, <laughs> under on the national anthem. But I think there's some more props out there, especially with all these places now coming online, being legal in all these different states. There's a lot of interesting ones. So we'll have an episode out this week for that. I'm very excited about that. You know, the season's not over, Alex. You know, the, the beautiful thing when you're into draft season, when you're into gambling, sports never sleeps. It's 365. <laughs> it's all year long. So might have had a bad football season, but... Might have a great basketball season, so we'll see. Well, as long as your draft takes are better than your quarterback list, that's uh, that's all I that's yeah, all I worry about. That's man. really that's what it all comes I worry about. <laughs> yep. All right, and if no one has heard that one, uh, make uh, sure to go check out uh, Winning Picks Weekly. We'll get the episode number next uh, next episode on the Jets <laughs> uh, to to get it all to you. But you can go find it. There ain't you can go find this. Just go all the way to the end of one of the episodes, and you'll see John and Greg debate on Greg's nonsense of a quarterback list. But hey. That's another topic for another day. Shots fired. Shots we'll fired. See. That's right. Shots fired. But <laughs> look, like I said, I'm still in misery because trades happen in the NBA. People are questioning why I'm so upset about Tyrese Halliburton and freaking uh, <laughs> was um, Chris, Chris Duarte being on the Pacers and don't understand that with Malcolm Brogdon, which who who may or may not move. But I won't. I'll save you guys. I'll spare Jets fans. Who are listening to this from that sorrow? Just tune into the next episode. I'll get into get into all of it. But guys, we've been alluding to it. I've been burying the lead. Senior Bowl happened. The Reese Super Senior Bowl happened. Ron Middleton getting all these high praises, and we're seeing this TikTok video that's just make its around mm-hmm. make its rounds on on the internet. You watch it, and you're like, whatever, whatever works. I guess whatever works to get them energized. But people are already saying that he's another head coach up and coming in the league. You know, he was a player in the NFL himself. Now became coach. He's the New York Jets tight end coach. Did a good job. People are uh, raving about it. What do you guys think about that, man? What do you guys think about having Ron Middleton, who I guess two and oh, man, two and oh, right? Two and oh is a head coach you, for the New York Jets and now in senior bowl. John, I'm going to start off with you. What are your thoughts on Ron Middleton so far? So it's not only Mon Middleton that was really cool. It was really the fact that it was an entire collaboration of the entire staff. So 
even our quarterbacks coach, uh, Rob Calabrese, who shout out to him. He was the uh, head coach at local Long Island uh, football team, uh, East Islip. Shout out to our friend Arthur, who was on that team with him. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really cool when you start to look into it and how they approach this team and how they approach this game and how they approach practices. Practice. Um, they installed the exact week that the Jets would have. And I think that's really cool. And the Jets were there to watch it from the very beginning. Um, whether it was, you know, like the Monday, they would come in and do like a short install. And then Tuesday, they would do it, you know, with something light. And then Wednesday, they'd have the heavy practice. Like, I thought that was really cool that the Jets were able to do that on their own terms. But not only the, not only that, our position coaches were able to do that. So that was really cool. You mentioned the video. That was really awesome. But it's, and like, for example, Joe Douglas was there and we'll get into him. Uh, he was, you know, he was noted to take, spend some extra time with some players. And that doesn't count as an extra interview, you know, which is limited, which we'll get into later on during draft episodes. So it's really cool. Like, it's just like non-tampering, extra time, no agents involved, players on the field, the Jets playbook, our coaches. Like, it's, so, it's really cool. Uh, so I'm, I'm really into it. Like, I'm really into uh, the Senior Bowl this year. And what's pretty great about Ron Middleton specifically is that he's a tight ends coach and Everybody knows, anybody who's anybody knows how desperate the Jets are for a tight end. And luckily for us, this is one of the deepest tight end classes, especially, you know, within like the bottom first to like four round, which is where we are saturated with picks. Like we are, we have the most quote unquote value, value in picks this year, but like, especially from end of first to, uh, you know, like the fourth, like we are stacked. So I'm really excited about it, man. Greg, what did you think? I thought it was good. Good. I mean, I'm if we could do the senior bowl every year, I want to do the senior bowl every year, whether we're a good <laughs> team, bad team, it doesn't matter. Cause all, if you listen to the coaches, they talk about it. And to your point, John, you go down there with the game plan, but you don't implement it all beforehand. I, I was listening to Michael Four on like with the official jets podcast, whoever with uh, EA, their host. And when they were down in mobile and, he was talking about how like these players now are so co- uh, coached up by their agents, by other people around them and stuff like that. Like two weeks before the game, they're reaching out and saying like, Hey, can we get the playbook? Hey, can we know like what's going on? Like, Hey, can we plan on this? And they were saying like, well, we're going to kind of hold some stuff back because we want to see you learn the playbook. We want to see you install this, this week's practice. So um it was cool. I think that the jets were, you know, playing that a little bit, seeing how these guys were not just on the field, but also in the rooms and learning, you know, you know, when they were like, you know, together eating and stuff like that, just getting to know these guys all throughout the process. Cause I think Ron Middleton said in one of his interviews, he's like, you know, like, I don't want to be on a team with a bunch of assholes. He was like, I just want to be their team with good, like good guys. So, you know, you get to learn that whole, you know, whether they're amazing on the field or not, uh, I'm leaning towards really liking the coaching staff and the culture that Joe Douglas has seemed to bring in with, uh, coach Sala and the people that he's picked to lead the, you know, offensive defense. Cause it seems like their staff up and down, um, you know, have known each other, whether they've worked together in the past or just known each other, um, from different coaching staffs and stuff like that. So 
They seem to be all in line. I, you know, you said 2-0, baby, for Ron Middleton. You know, I'm happy for him. I think he's doing a great thing. Hopefully, we address this tight end situation this offseason, <laughs> Yo, whether to. it's through the draft or free agency. And uh, he has something to work with. So, you know, I think the coaches overall did a great job. It seems like, you know, we, we were the winning team. So, we obviously planned better, played better, whatever it is. So, um, very happy for it. Like I said, I wish we could do it every year because I think it gives us a huge advantage. But the point, the only point of order there, Greg, is the people who coach the senior poll is the lowest winning percentage that you haven't fired your, your coaching staff. So I really don't say <laughs> twice now. Like I really yeah. don't want to, I really don't want to coach the senior. It's fun. I'm glad we did it. I, I also, another thing that I learned was how Robert Saloff feels about seven on sevens and he just doesn't like them. So yeah. they didn't really do a seven on seven. He got asked about that. He said it throws off the timing of the quarterback. I think that mm-hmm. all that stuff is really interesting. And, you know, once things started to get revved up for us, for as Jets Nation, for training camp, OTAs, all that stuff, we're going to start freaking out about seven on sevens. And it, it's good to know that they're completely meaningless in, you know, the Salah system. It's at the end of practice and it kind of throws off the time. So it's really not indicative of anything. So just that's like a really cool little uh, tidbit I learned. Uh, this year not, from, from I guess coverage. like playing football for like four years and almost deciding to play in college. And I decided not to play rugby instead, you know, like we did seven on sevens and foot, like, and the thing, like when he talks about timing and stuff like that, it really gives you a false sense of security as a wide receiver and as a quarterback, because there's no, you're not working with any offensive linemen. There's no rush. You're not really getting a good feel. You're just, it's like the underwear Olympics all over again. So we don't really, I can see why Robert Salah, <laughs> isn't a big fan of it because you're not getting that full on experience, but John, you know, you, you mentioned something and I guess we could just get into the positions right now. You mentioned that Joe Douglas was like hanging around players, trying to get to know guys. It wasn't truly an interview, but one guy that he was talking to, man, is Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. Like he was trying to get, you know, some knowledge on uh, this offensive tackle that we got here is six, seven, 330 pounds. You know, the, the word on him is that he doesn't need to gain weight. There's no concerns about that and that he's a big punisher on the line, man. Apparently during practices, he was always giving like an extra push after the whistle was blown. He likes to be physical, likes to get, just loves contact in general. Someone that you know when you're on the line is just ready to battle day in and day out. So what do you think about that? Uh, Trevor Penning, you know, if, if JD is looking at somebody, you know, he's trying to figure out their character, looking at the size. How do you feel about Penning? So it's really interesting, man. Penning was not really mentioned, uh, especially in like the top linemen, right? So we got mm-hmm. Neil from Bama. Uh, we got uh, a couple other guys. Uh, we, um, what's his name? Equebu. I know, I know, I know I'm saying his name wrong, uh, but he's been rumored to the Jets Akeem. as well. Yeah. I stick with uh, the we, first name because I, I don't, I don't get the <laughs> yeah, last name right. Yeah. 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 So we, and, then, and now we have, uh, Penning. And at the same time, we have George Fant in our team, who is challenging Becton to our left tackle, which means that the other guy is going to take the right tackle spot, presumably, right? Uh, I don't really see him, either of them playing guard, especially not Fant. I mean, I guess Becton could, but I doubt it. So it's interesting, man. It's interesting that he is uh, has raised up his stock. It's really cool that Joe Douglas has extra time with him. But this is the exact type of player that Joe Douglas likes, right? A guy who's versatile, a guy who could play guard. 
right? And that's really big too. Penning is he—he he was a tackle, but he could also play guard, and that kind of goes with Zion Johnson, another guy in in during the Senior Bowl who impressed during practice, not so much as the week went on, but still, um, you know, including the game, but he was still a beast, a guard slash offensive like lineman. These are the things that you have to learn because these players are going to drop, right? One of the guys that we're not talking about right now is Tyler Linderbaum, right? A really, you know, popular college guy, really popular, you know, Jets fan guy, Jets, you know, Twitter guy. And also all the other teams as well are are looking into Tyler Linderbaum. It's not just us, right? So when you look Mm -hmm. through, everyone loves this center. He's going to be a top of the class center. But uh, Greg, you were talking about interviews. I was listening to a Nick Mangold interview uh, this week during Radio Row for Super Bowl. And they asked him about Tyler Linderbaum. And he's like, listen, because, you know, the Jets have the 10th pick. Yeah. So he's like, listen, let's just say, like, Linderbaum gets drafted 10th. Like, that, he's like, I got drafted 27th or something, right? Like, 25 to 27, one of those, like, something up there. He's like, he has to be that much better than me. He's like, if he is all the power to him, I'd be so excited if the Jets get this all, you know, this all pro. All He's like, Quentin Nelson set, you know, kind of reset the market, you know, in that way. Essentially, he's like, that'd be amazing. But he's like, exactly. But he's like, dude, like, <laughs> he's going to be paid so much. I mean, he didn't say all this, but this is like where he's getting to. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's going to get paid so much. The pressure is going to be on him so high. And if he's not like, the that best guy. center ever. Yeah. Like if he's like, doesn't outshine me from the very beginning or like at least from like week six, <laughs> like it's going to be an issue. You know what I mean? We're paying him top, top 10 money. So uh, I, I, I know I want off a little bit of a change it from penning, but this is, this is why I'm, I'm really excited about being there talking to Penn. Like now you know, like you, you're starting to get a lay of the land. Now we don't have to take Neil at fourth. If you, if you know that you can get Penning later and he can fit your system, you know, or you can get the other guy, you know, uh, the guy Akeem, or you can, you know, just, you know, get Zion Johnson later, maybe. So that's what's important to me. Like just learning about the depth, seeing what you got. And in real time, not like at the scouting combine where everyone's like been practicing, you know, what to say to you and they have all these scripts right. and everything is weird. And people want ask about like what color M&Ms you don't like, like <laughs> none of that nonsense. And, and to even add on to your point too, right? Just when you start to get an understanding, like who these guys are, essentially what you're saying is that you're, you're gaining, you're, you're understanding, you're trying to the NFL draft. I feel like, with regards to many other drafts is this, this intersection between finding the right value for the player at the right pick and while filling a need, right? That's the one thing I hated about McCagnan and uh, Idzik is that they were trying to just draft a need without trying to meet, Oh, what is the actual value of this player? Where do we think we can grab him? And what is the type of impact that he's going to make on this team? Like trying to figure out all those categories and that's kind of, and that's why when you see Mackay Beckton, everyone's like talking about, oh my God, this is a Hall of Famer. Like, it's like, whoa, he is. And that's why he was justified being the fourth pick. You know what I mean? But if we're, if you're talking about Lindenbaum and, and what you're saying is, um, Nick Mangold, that is he going to be better than Nick Mangold, who's a damn good freaking center for us, man? And the Jets have been blessed to have two centers like back to back between Mawai and then, uh, Mangold. Yeah, so then, Hall of Famer, you, and then Mangold's a fringe Hall of Famer. Yeah, and so the Linderbaum then would have to be that. exactly. And so it's, it's tough. 
is is he worth the 10th pick? This is where it's like, does Joe Douglas trade that pick back, right? And that's where, you know, some are also thinking that the 10th pick is going to be more valuable than the fourth because this isn't a quarterback-heavy draft, so might as well try to get high but not too high and overspend, and maybe you can move back further and still get Wonderbomb because Joe Douglas is thinking that way. You'd have to think maybe other GMs are thinking that way as well. That's just my point. Yeah, but Greg, Greg what do you think about the lineman? I saw it, you know, I thought there were some risers and some fallers. I think Penning was definitely better than expected. There was also a big guy, huh, I'm blanking on his name now, from Minnesota on the right side that I think we talked about going into on our last episode, kind of previewing yes. him a little bit. And uh, he didn't have the best week. First couple of days, I think, looked good. But just as the week goes on, just not keeping up with the talent, not keeping up with the uh, level of competition, and that's something that, you know, as we go through this draft process, there will be a lot of guys from smaller schools that will flash. The co- The real question is, is how do they do against better competition? Not the jump position groups, but Alex, you talked about a wide receiver last week from North Dakota State, and he played great all during the week and then all in the game. So, you know, he was able to step up against better competition than he played during the regular season, and he still performed well. So, it is that really Christian com- Watson? Yeah, yep, Christian Watson. Mm-hmm. So it really comes down to, you know, how do you perform at this level, which again is the senior bowl. But then the next issue is, is that like, you know, if we're talking about all, I don't know if we're talking about just offensive line or defensive line as well, but there's that D tackle from Connecticut who's huge and he just moving guys around. Like he was a beast. And I know we don't need D tackle, but my question is when you go up against premier offensive linemen in the NFL level, not the competition that you're used to playing at UConn, you know, are you going to be able just to move guys around? So there's a couple pass rushers and a couple edge guys that um, performed pretty well again this week that we we're looking at probably second, third round guys. Um, but, you know, do they rely too much on just pure athleticism and pure power or do they have some skills and some talent that can get them playing well at the NFL level? So I think we saw that with a couple of the guys. Um, overall, I think the offensive line, defensive line, I think were the strongest. I think we learned the most from those groups just because they were battling every day against each other. Some guys really stood out, like Penning. Some guys fell a little bit. But other than that, you know, we need to get measurables on these guys. That's my biggest takeaway, too. <laughs> They're a couple, sure. I, know, I know you love the indie stuff. But who are you talking about? Are you talking about, like, uh, Devontae Wyatt from Georgia? I think Wyatt Wyatt looked pretty good. Um, the guy from Oklahoma Johnson, now looked good. Florida um, Florida State pass rusher looked good for sure. Um, you're thinking about Travis Daniel Foley uh, Foley from uh, I'm butchering that's his last a, that's name from a, Minnesota. That's a, that's the yeah that's the right tackle from Minnesota. That's a right tackle really who didn't play too great. Who didn't play too great? Yeah, yeah. I but just his measurables were kind of yeah. I mean the measurables are insane. The dude's six not. I mean. Six nine three eight is huge. Yeah. So the, yeah, the, the and edge, I'm also the edge from Western Kentucky, D'Angelo Malone, the linebacker from Oklahoma, Brian Asamoah. Yeah, and to me at this point too, I mean, it might just be the way I go about it, but like I'm not too big on the names yet. I'm big on like the the uh, schools and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, we, we had a defense alignment <laughs> somewhere that was like from South Carolina. I think he was on the other squad. He looked great, um, and. You know, we had a couple linebackers that look pretty good too. So, you know, we have a lot of a lot of needs to fill, but 
as far as I would say for the offensive line and defensive line, I think those were the best position groups. And that's great for us because we have needs on both sides of the ball. Um, so I was excited about it. To your point, though, one last thing about um, Zion from who plays center for us. I think it's kind of dirty that they made him play center. Like he's a all, all ACC guy at guard and tackle. And then all of a sudden he shows up to the biggest game of his life. And they're like, Hey bro, you got a week to learn how to play center. And he played pretty good. I think it helped his stock like a ton. And he, I was thinking that he might be there for us in the early second round, but I, he might go late first round. Now Cincinnati, they're looking at him probably late in the first round being like, dude, we could put him anywhere on offensive line. And he would start day one. So uh, I, I think yeah. Trevor Penning is up there too, man. I think Trevor Penning really jumped yeah. up. I think he, he, I don't think he's making it out of the first round. Honestly, he's one of those guys, like almost like a Slater type of guy. I know I don't want to say his skill level, but just like the way he's kind of forming into this draft. Oh, everyone's so, talking about Penning, dude. You can go find it everywhere. Everyone's talking about that. His stock has risen. So, you know, once names, this is the thing though. It's early. And I feel like exactly. people have very like short term memories when it comes to like when people start getting recognition, like Trevor Penning, because he's getting all this mention, he's probably going to jump up to second, first round. However, once, uh, was it how, once we get closer to the draft, if his name does, if his name's not there anymore, I can, I can see him being like more of a middle first wait uh, early. Well, that's second, what he's going to be. Rounder. Yeah. Well, that, well, he's going to be a yeah. middle first to, to, to bottom. And but I'm and saying so like, he was going to be like the top of the second and now he's kind of moving up. But this really goes back to Greg's point, Alex. And that's why it's so interesting because he's from Northern Iowa and everyone was so worried about how he was going to do because he had no competition. So now he did really well in the senior bowl against, you know, the cream of the cream, right? Like the, the, the yeah. second to fourth rounders, the starters in the NFL. And he did well. That's why his stock went up. But let's talk about, you know, another position we alluded to in the beginning, our head, our head coach for senior bowl, Ron Middleton, the tight ends coach. And it, it's really interesting because it really goes into this conversation, Greg, where we have, you know, Ferguson, the tight end from Wisconsin. We have, you know, McBride, the consensus number one from Colorado State. Yep. But then you have Likely, who is from, um, who's from Carolina, Carolina. So, Coastal yeah. Carolina. And then Cold we have, uh, Ruckert from Ohio State, right? So it's kind of all <laughs> yeah. over the place. Yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, man, at this juncture, it's early, but I need one of those four. Of course, Likely, it's really one of those three and Likely is kind of like an extra hopefully at the end there, but I really need one of these three tight ends. They all looked uh, up and down, even though McBride seems to be the consensus. Number one, I, I, I see him being a, a second round pick. So if it starts in oh, the second yeah. round and, and they didn't really talk about him with that much, uh, I don't know that much like eagerness and enthusiasm as maybe because I'm, I'm, I'm off the Kyle Pitts high and he's no Kyle Pitts. But the way they talked about Ruckert, who was at Ohio State, and his knock was he doesn't get the ball much, but that's because he's playing with, you know, Chris Olave and a ridiculous high octane Ohio State offense. So he just yeah. blocks all day and they run it. Uh, so he did really well with catching, right? We had Likely, who same thing as, you know, the, the, the small school thing, competition. He played well. We have Ferguson, who is just a nasty blocker, dude, from Wisconsin and he can catch. And then, of course, we got McBride, who's like the consensus number one. He's kind of like projected to be like some sort of Noah Font, 
which, you know, okay, he was a first-round pick, so that's huge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on the tight end situation? It feels kind of deep. Yeah, so here's my, so here's my first question off the bat. Do we, would you rather – this could be for both of you guys. Would you rather take McBride in the second round, early second round, or would you rather wait to the fourth round and take one of the other guys? It could be Ferguson, likely, or Rucker. Because my biggest thing is tight end. When you look at the NFL roster, there's premium positions, then there's not. Right, tight end is not a premium position. So chances of with this a team, team it might be, dude. With this team it might be with the floor and in this NFL, it it, it kind of could be a premium spot. It could be, but to your point, he's not Kyle Pitts, right? Kyle Pitts was the premium of premium, a fourth a fourth overall pick for a tight end, which is absurd. <laughs> and my question is, a year later, are the Falcons like what? Are, like what did we do? Like do we just get drunk? <laughs> and in love with Kyle Pitts and take him because if you look at the list of people that were taken after him, Jamar Chase, he's pretty good. Jalen Waddle, pretty good. Parsons, Panay Sewell, the seventh best right tackle in all of NFL. Chase <laughs> yeah. Horn, pretty good. Patrick Sertan, pretty good. Like these, and these again are are wide receivers. Devonta Smith, pretty good. So you're talking about wide receivers and cornerbacks and offensive tackles, which traditionally are more premium picks than a tight end. So. To your point, is McBride going to be there in the, in the second round? I think he is. So do we take him, even though it's not a premium position, we could take a defensive lineman or offensive lineman like Zion Johnson or a good cornerback that's still there or a safety because we have those needs that are maybe a little bit more premium than tight end? Or do we I, wait I, to the fourth round and take someone? I think you got to take a premium tight end because you want to get some weapon. You want to get some weapons for Zach Wilson. And if we're going to use one like if we're going to use a pick in the first round of offensive lineman, I think we need to go with a tight end, another pass catcher to help just spread the ball. Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft, it's not it. And I like what Trey McBride, I like Trey McBride, man. I think he, yeah. his stock has definitely risen from what we saw from senior bowl. I mean, when he was in college, he got 90, he had 90 receptions over a thousand yards, uh, average 12 and a half, uh, yards per, per catch. You know, dude was just, out of this world. So like, you know, he's got talent. Why not add that for Zach? Because he's going to need it, man. Like we saw without Corey Davis, right? Let's just like, we just saw what the trickle effect, the trickle effect without Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, uh, Michael Carter, you need somebody out there. Like not everyone's going to be out. So you need someone to get it to. And I feel like just even having a versatile weapon that could just do something that's like Kyle Pitts, you know, just being in that realm. It's not. I know he's not. He's Kyle not walking Pitts. through that door, bro. I know he's, he's not, not walking through that door. But I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying, if you get even just not even, not even remotely close, but just someone who's just talented enough at that position to catch, keep defenses honest, I would go for it, man. So here's my thing. Here's my thing. I'm with you. I'm with you on your on your premise, but your conclusion is a little off because I just don't think McBride is that guy. Like even from Middleton's mouth, he's a meat and potatoes player. <laughs> like he's a football guy. He likes the grind, but he's not a polished blocker. And he like it, don't give me a finesse tight end, dude. What the hell are the Jets gonna do with a finesse tight end? Like Yaboa is a finesse tight end. I know obviously McBride's better, but I'm just saying, like that's that that's what worries me. So my question back to you, like if you were to give me what you said. I would throw back at you, what's the drop-off between McBride and Rucker? And, and really Ferguson. Like, what is the real drop? Like, Ferg- like, I think Rucker could be better. 
to be honest with you, I think he'd be better than the NFL. I think he'd be better than McBride. And I think Ferguson can give them both a run for their money <laughs> at the end of the day. And so when you go back to Greg's point and you're like sitting there at the top of the second round, we have two picks up there, right? Shout out to uh, our, our good friend, Sam, Samuel Darnold. Sammy Darnold. <laughs> and helping us still. Yeah, man, forever, forever. Him and Adams, dude, my dudes. And <laughs> when we're sitting there and you could like get Ferguson or, you know, if no tight ends are chosen in the first round, you can't, you, we can't be the first team with a, to, to take off a tight end. That's, that's my whole thing. And to be honest, guys, no matter what we do, we still need a veteran off the tight end free agent market. So there's a couple of guys out there. Of course, uh, Dalton Schultz, he's the, he's the Cinderella <laughs> tight end this year, but it looks like he's going to be franchise tagged. Yeah. He's probably not going to hit the market. But there's a couple other guys that I could see fitting in on this team that were rumored here, like OJ Howard or uh, David Njoku. I don't want Evan Ingram even near this team by <laughs> for for ten miles. But like, if you if you if we're able to grab a Njoku, let's say Njoku, because he's like a real tight end that like blocks, right? And you pair that up with uh, Ruckert, who was you know native New Yorker. His dad wants to come here. Our head coach likes him, and we hung out for them for a week. He went to a premium college in Ohio State. Right. Everything's pointed fantastic there. And he's going to be in the fourth round or something. Third, fourth round. You grab an Njoku and then you even get a likely later on. I know someone will freak out at me getting two tight ends in one draft. But if you grab him like fourth and like a sixth and you get likely and Njoku in there with a Ferguson. I I don't know. I know that sounds like a lot of resources, but is it really? (laughs) And you could like really. You know, fix up that position or like a Rucker. I, I don't know. That that that's where Here, I would go personally. Here's the thing I'll give for you about Rucker. You know, it seems like Ron Middleton, our tight ends coach, likes him over uh Trey McBride, right? Because as you said, Middleton called Trey McBride a meat and potatoes guy. And Rucker loves contact. And even going to Connor Hughes, according off of his report, Ron Milton raised an eyebrow when it like came to Shout Rutgers out to the well. athletic. Shout out to the athletic. Shout out to that subscription. Uh, so I get it. My concern, and like I know that even Milton says he's not concerned with the stats. 26 passes, uh, caught 26 passes for 309 yards versus what uh, Rucker, uh, Rucker did. I mean, uh, McBride did. Yeah. <laughs> I am still hesitant when I don't see that much. I I get it. I get that he played with a, a another with a teammate who's much better than him. I get it. Do we just want another blocking tight end though? Like just a big guy who's just going to catch. Like, eh, I want someone a little more. Are you like, are you poo pooing a blocker on the Jets offensive no, line right I'm now? Poo-poo. I'm not yes. poo pooing. Yes. I'm not poo pooing. That's exactly a blocker. what I want. I want a tight end who's going to block. Yeah. I'm not. We haven't got one blocker. of those in years, bro. Have you seen Ryan Griffin? You want me to start cutting up the videos we were watching of Ryan Griffin last year? Don't do that. And show no, you, yes. Don't, no one needs guy. that. You stop right. No one needs that. I don't need that. Save save humanity. No one wants to see Ryan Griffin out there. Also, it'd be very short. I don't know how why I'd want to watch a two-minute film that's very short on blocking. Uh, oh, he tried to block a lot. I know. <laughs> There's plenty you can only of, find two minutes of, of bloops. You go, <laughs> plenty of bloops out there. It's not poo-pooing. But I'm also looking for versatility, right? The thing that they said about McBride, and like when you look at reports, is that there's no flaw to his game, 
but there's nothing that really stands out either. When it comes to Rucker, you know what stands out is the pass, which is the protection, the blocking. And sure, that's great. Like I, I get that. That is that that exceeds, and we need that too, especially Music. if you want to run. Of course, of course, I get that. I'm also looking for help for Zach Wilson too, though. It can't just be like, all right, it's probably unlikely that we're going to throw to this guy. Can we get somewhere in like if if McBride is just well rounded? I get that's not flashy. No one really likes a well rounded player because it's like, okay, you're not going to really flash me in this area. You'll be good some days. You might be bad some days. You're not going to be in there when you know Rucker's going to be like, oh, this guy is going to give it to me on the line. I can guarantee that. Passing wise, not sure because it's not, not not big enough sample size. I would, I, I guess, in this situation, and obviously thoughts can change, but I'm looking at it from a standpoint where we need to give Zach Wilson a guy who can also catch. That's proven that he can catch. That can kind of make plays, and I think McBride is that right now. Listen, bro, Ferguson had three catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown, and one of those was 25 yards, bro. He looked pretty impressive. My boy from Wisconsin can play. Hey, that's I'm a different saying, story. Hey, we can talk about Ferguson too. We can talk. Ferguson good at, play, his, stock, his, stock play. Rose, his stock rose from this game from uh, Senior Bowl as well. That's a fourth round pick, dude. Yeah, no, and that's like that's the value. So like, if we're if we're arguing like like if we're talking about Rucker and McBride, I'd pro- I'd lean more so not a lot, but I'm gonna lean a little bit towards McBride. But if you want to talk about value wise, dude from Wisconsin. Fourth round, that's a legit. That's a legitimate. Dude, that's well. legit. What do you think, Greg? Just to end this, yeah, end, end I think, round about I mean, this. I think there's talk. a shot. I think it depends because I think there's a shot that Ruckert is available in third or fourth round. It really depends on team needs and then also kind of what they see. Like to your point, all these guys have things to work on. No one's coming out of the draft like, okay, this is a locked and loaded tight end. And to your point, John. Some of these guys, like Ferguson, who plays at Wisconsin, Rucker plays at Ohio State, they might be better than McBride three or four years from now. Because to what I always like to say, too, about all these guys who flash in these lower schools, there's a reason why some people are at Ohio State, and there's a reason why some people are at Colorado State. Those are, <laughs> those are two totally different programs, really two totally different worlds. I get that they both play D1 football, but there's a reason why – Rutgers at Ohio State and this guy like Ferguson's at Wisconsin. So, you know, to me, it's not a it's not a premium position. However, to your point, John, I did like the idea possibly taking two guys here and bringing in a third. Because if you remember Michael Floor, when we first started the season, I feel like he was running a ton of like two tight end sets. So I think that's what he wants to run. The problem is that we just physically were not able to do it this year we don't even because have one of the tight end, end, let alone two. Yeah, so hey, I think he, I think we're Kenny Yaboa is a tight end, bro. <laughs> yo, yeah. I'm hyped for yo. If we can get Yaboa and Likely to just chill, uh, you know, as, as the three four, and and we get we get Ferguson as as the two, and then we bring in a number one veteran in Joku, even if it's OJ Howard, even if it is even Evan Ingram, and I'll be you know crying about it. Like I'm down. Like I'll just just give it to me. Uh, that, that that that's a nice three four wide receiver set with like one of those guys on the fringe for me. Anything? Anyone have anything else on the tight ends? Last thing I want to say though is Alex brought up earlier about McCagnan and why he stunk, and it was because <laughs> he we drafted for need, not for what was best available. Trying to line up value with the the player. Need. So man, to even draft for need, man, just draft. <laughs> yeah. Best just kind player of available at some point. Yeah. So 
I feel like, again, if we need someone for Zach Wilson to throw the ball to and we start reaching for people, that's why one thing I want to talk about before we, before we move on too far is if we're talking about pass catchers, wide receiver. Yes. If you guys think we're going to be taking a wide receiver at 10, because a lot of mock drafts have us taking someone at 10, and I would lose my mind. I would be so upset because there's this is, again, a deep wide receiver draft. There's so many people we can take in the third, fourth, and fifth round. Granted, they're not going to be the same high caliber people that you see in the first round. But I don't know if we need the top of the top wide receiver one or two this year going into this draft because they're not Justin Jefferson. They're not Jamar Chase. They're not these big-time guys that you see right now. They're going to be good. Don't get me wrong. But at 10, I think there's just more need. If we take a wide receiver over Lindenbaum, I'm just going to lose my mind. Hey, man, how come you didn't say Elijah Moore in that with Justin Jefferson and everybody? Because <laughs> he's not the same. Well, here, here, well, you know, speaking of guys, uh, scouts this year said that if Elijah Moore were to be in this year's draft, he would go in the top 10. Not 10 yeah. wide receivers, but top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. And so... Well, that, that should give you that should that alone should give you an idea of the talent in this draft. If you would go top ten, that that should just tell you. That being said, I do like Drake London. He's really good. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm, I'm really. I can't really. You know, we can't really talk any further without saying how Drake London's good. He's not Jamar Chase. He's not Justin Jefferson. Yes, I agree with you. He's not even Devontae Smith. Yep. He's not, he's not Jerry Judy. I agree with all those things, but he's good. We cannot spend a first round pick on a wide receiver, even if it's in the late round, to be honest with you. I mean, if if we trade down and grab London in the 20s, I'm not going to be upset about it. But we kind of, at this point, you got to reap what you sow, right? You, you you got Corey Davis. He's, at, he's on the books for at least one more year. You keep him there, okay? You have Elijah Moore. You drafted him last year. He's going to get a big spot. That's your one, or let's let's call it your, you know, your one just out of respect. Right, so your two is missing. You got Elijah Moore in the three, and then before we move on, because I want to hear your thoughts, I kind of got you know where you're gauged, right? Like with with your draft wide receivers. Let's talk about our guy. I know we mentioned it on our last on our you know a couple podcasts ago. What do you guys think about Berrios? Right, things are becoming a little bit clearer. He did go on his media run. He is obviously our number four wide receiver. If we get him there. He is our all-pro kick returner and punt returner. According to Spot Track, he's projected like 25 mil a full year with like, you know, five per ish or something like that. Are you guys paying him that? Are, are you we're like so five, million you guys... per five million per year, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Like the, the last time I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm doing that. I'm doing that in a heartbeat. What's your max there, Alex? Like eight? Yeah, I think eight would be. It. I think if you get so to five ten, to eight. if you get if you get, it's to really 10, about guaranteed little... money. So it's like if we if we kept the guaranteed money at like eighteen mil or whatever, fifteen mil. I feel like for over four years or whatever it is. I think that's. I think you could do it because let's be realistic. He's not like he's worked hard. I love the work ethic that he gives us, but he's not a one, two, or even the three wide receiver. We're talking about fourth string wide receiver. That's a slot. Okay. And as hard as he, and Grant, he's also a punt returner and kick returner, very good at special teams. He's also a third down specialist. 
facts. Third down specialist <laughs> on those end arounds. And the only guy that knows the playbook. Guaranteed first downs on those end arounds. The only yeah. guy that knows the playbook. It's so obvious. He's literally <laughs> yeah. the only guy that knows it's it. Why it's, it's, it couldn't be clearer. Denzel Mims who? Reed? Yeah, dude, he's gone. He's gone. Like, it's so obvious that that's, but, that that's why they like him. But I, but that is why they like him. And that's why, that's why I said, like, I think five million. That's why when you said 10, I was like, that's a little high. I think yeah, five, like, to eight is like the right price range for who he is and what we need for this team and being a returner and being a, that type of specialist. I think that's good. I think what you said, if you're talking about 18 guaranteed for four string wide receiver and a punt returner, kick returner, yo, you made it. Like, Congrats. You did it. Like you worked yeah. hard. Yo, you were legit. You, on, pra- you, you were on practice squads. The fact that you're in the NFL right now, like the fact that you're getting guaranteed millions of dollars, like at this position, you're not pro bowler. Yeah. We're not, we're in a pro bowler. And we're not talking like he's uh there was no pro bowlers and all pro, which all is pro ridiculous. Pros, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, which all is like ridiculous, but yeah, that's, a, that's another gripe for a different day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But so yeah. what do you, what do you think? What do you think, Greg? Do you think we should resign Barrios? I think to Alex's point about the draft and like how you have to, you have to, it's like hitting a moving target, right? With the draft, you have to combine skill, need, and draft position value. In free agency, you have to combine skill, need, and the amount of money they're making. So it's kind of the same thing. And the trick is, is how much is he going to be making? You know, what is the market going to dictate for him? Earlier, I was saying um, he's probably going to be like 10, 11 million a year. And if that's the case at this point, I think that's too rich just because there's so many other people that we could sign or uh, draft. If he's five to eight million a year, like Alex is thinking, and like you're talking about, John, then I'm all for that because it's a key piece of our offense um, or it's a key piece of our special teams. And then it's a good piece on our offense. So, you know, for five million dollars, we have 60 something million dollars to spend this year, whatever it may be after we have to sign rookies and stuff. Um, you know, I'm okay spending five million locking up our number four, and then we need to go out there and find our number two, whether it's through the draft or free agency. And I don't think he's going to speak it off. I don't think he's going to. No, I just, I just don't think he's going to demand that much. I don't think a team's going to come out here and be like, "We're going to get Braxton Barrios and ten million dollars." I think if that team, if that team wants to pay that money, by all means, yeah, you can can ruin your books for that. Speaking of, do you, but do you guys, do you guys have any other wide receivers? Speaking of that number two slash number one spot, sorry, Corey Davis, that, that, that does catch your eye. For me, there's a couple of guys on the wide, on the, uh, unrestricted free agent market, such as Richard Higgins, who, who had a really good year and he's been looking good for a couple of years, not going to be that expensive. I'm always there's weary. Will Fuller, who always- is always injured and is going to be cheap, but he could just run down, open up that, those seams. There's a couple guys who are going to be out of our price range, like Devontae Adams and Chris Godwin. But Allen Robinson is a possibility. Come to New York. He loves New York sports. Yo, he's it, tweeting uh, about RJ Barrett, baby. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? Any, any, any of these, any of these unrestricted free agents? The only trade I could think of, I, I don't think Ridley's a possibility, but I think Michael Thomas is, is a name that, you know, could be, uh, you know, f- he could he could be definitely be on the move with the Saints, kind of like re redoing whatever the hell they're doing over there. Yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> so who knows? And any any uh, unrestricted free agents or trade guys on your mind on the wide receiver before we move on to defense? I am always weary about getting wide receivers in free agency. I feel like that rarely ever works out for any team, in my opinion. Um, 
I just think of like, oh man, I just think about like, was Brandon Cooks a trade or was he through free agency? He was a, for the Rams. Cooks got traded, right? Uh, I, 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 he he got. I don't know if the Patriots draft him. I don't know why I have that feeling. No, I forget. I thought no, he was drafted by the Saints, right? And then he went Saints, to the Saints, Patriots. Saints. And he went from the Patriots to the Rams. Yeah. And like, I look at his career and like how he's been hopping around. Like, and he was a top wide receiver coming out of school too. Um, it was all trades though, yeah. Yeah. All trades? Okay. Um, the biggest free agent, the biggest, uh, like recent, I mean, I, do you count, do you count Odell? Cause he was like, no, the cause he was recent. He was traded. He was traded. He was bought out, right? He was. Uh, that was like the, was, that was like the was latest out. one that he I remember. Out. That was like he the was latest big wide receiver that I can he remember was, choosing. Before that, really like Randy Moss. Like who? What other big wide receivers do you really see move around? Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall signed with the Jets, right? Uh, so did Eric Decker, and those guys didn't really pan out. Uh, they had like one, two good seasons, but after that, eh. I feel like paying for wide receivers is always an iffy thing because. Because that's such a need and a pass-heavy NFL, people are just going to want us overspend to make sure they can lock up on a wide receiver. And then they never really live up to the expectation when you pay them, unless they stay with that team. Look, I will get Antonio Brown, who's been moved after the Steelers. He like, he Feels like a special really case. <laughs> I, I hear you. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, like he was good on the Steelers. Where's How has he been afterwards? I mean, he yeah. had a couple good years in on the Denver. Yeah, he had a couple good years. No, like, he, I mean, he, he's fizzling out in Buffalo. The guy, I, mean, he's, I feel like he's been playing since I was in college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to your point, though, about the free agents, John, and Alex, to your point about not really liking to sign people, you know, I'm not I'm not for it. Really, I'm not against it. But who are you going to sign? Everyone keeps talking about Allen Robinson. Yes, he likes New York sports and all that stuff. Is he really going to come to the New York Jets in his point in his career, or is he going to go Dude, to a we got money. team? No, no, he's on. He needs money. This is his Alan last Ro- contract. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with Allen Robinson. Here's the thing, and this is this is my issue. Are going to pay money, bro, for wide receiver. Let's oh, be real. Man. Maybe it's just a Jets thing. Maybe it's just a Jets <laughs> thing that I feel bad about when it comes to free agency and with cornerbacks and and wide receivers when it comes to the New York Jets because they're like primo positions. They're flashy, and uh, it just hasn't worked out well for us. But Allen Robinson is riddled with an injury history that everyone knows about. Yes. If a contender is going for Allen Robinson, he has to be like that third, fourth guy that's just like insane, like the Rams, man. Like it has to be that insane where like, oh, we got Cooper Cup, OBJ, and all these other dudes, and like Robert Woods. And it's like, oh, wow, OBJ could go single coverage. And like, we know like it's going to be easy. Like Allen Robinson will have to go into a situation like that. If the Jets offered him money, he would gladly come to the New York Jets and take that money because more likely than not, he would be injured. Uh, and that's kind of why I'm like, I like the name. It's all dependent on the price, but I'd that's rather just work through the game. draft. I just work. I'd rather work through the draft. Guys, I'm pretty sure he played every single game and he's playing with the Bears. Like every year he has to, he has to suit up and be cold and play with no quarterback and no, like he's, he's on the Jets. <laughs> like, do you guys not Dude, realize that? That's what I'm that? saying. That's why I feel like he's going to be like, yo, I'm out of here. I'm going to San Diego and play <laughs> with Justin Herbert because they're about to lose Mike Williams. And he's like, yo, I'll play two, I'll play on, I'll play on a two year deal 
that's incentive based based around how many receptions yeah, yards and touchdowns I have because he knows he's going to ball out because Justin Herbert's the MVP I can of see the that. All-Star game. Stuff I like can that. see that. I can see yeah. that. You know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers goes down to Denver. It's like, hey, mom, maybe I'll swing down there for a little bit. Like, I don't know. You know. <laughs> By the way, I could totally see the Jets signing Mike Williams. But that's the yes. there. <laughs> Injury riddled guy. Signed him for like seven mil. Uh, a guy that we all liked in college, right? Shout out to Clemson, right? Those are the good old years. And yep. I could see that. Or maybe even like a Kirky, right? Christian Kirky out there. Kirksey, uh, a lot I of people talk about, throw his name out there. I don't know if I really want Christian Kirk for the amount of money he's getting to Alex's point. Like, let's just let's just draft a couple guys. Now. I'd rather draft a guy, try to keep All a guy right. in house, and let's keep it pushing, man. Yeah, right. we still need a we still need a number two receiver. We didn't we did not solve this issue to be continued. Let's jump to the defense. We mentioned the defensive linemen. We mentioned that's a need for us. Some interior linemen for sure. Uh, Fatukasi's not coming back. Nathan Shepard, likely not, but if he does, it's going to be short term. Uh, we have no line, but I, I, we talked about, we talked about Connor Hughes. He said something that really bothered me in his Q and A on the athletic today. He said that the Jets don't have a need at linebacker. I, I almost threw my computer out the window. <laughs> he, 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 mentioned, he mentioned Quincy Williams. What are we talking about? He got cut from the Jaguars. I know he had two good games, but he also had ridiculous whiffs. CJ Mosley, hey man, fantastic, but hey, he's man. good. He came. What are we talking about? He came. We don't from need the a linebacker. What train is going down in Jacksonville right now? Give him a Alex, year. Give him a year. Alex, with Robert Sala. I'm not saying he's an Jets answer. Do not, not saying need he's an answer. a linebacker. And I disagree with Quincy that. I, dis- <laughs> I disagree with that. But don't slander my man Quincy Williams. I like love that Quincy either. Williams. Okay, he, he won two games for us. He also lost three. <laughs> this is one player. Well, Robbie Anderson in him a little bit. He's winning games and losing games and nothing else. How dare you, Greg? Don't you dare put <laughs> Quincy Williams and Robbie Anderson's name in the same vein. Dude, How dare you? I, I love Quincy Williams. I'm very happy we got him. We're f- almost one of the probably one of the best in-season signings in, in Jets recent history. I, I can't think of a better or more impactful one. He literally won us football games in a year where we won four. <laughs> like he was very impactful. However, the Jets desperately need a linebacker. I I don't know. I I don't know how to emphasize that enough. Do I show you the tight end stats? Do I show you the running back stats? Do I what stats do you want to see? Do I show you the slot receiver stats? Like would you like it's going to be like oh yeah, yeah I need I need, right. like, we need I, a linebacker. I need I need like a board or I feel like I need like a John Madden like touch pad just to like circle with like highlighter and be like here we could see C J Mosley being left on an island. In the second row. Here again, we could see CJ Mosley being left on an island in the second row. Here we can see everybody cooking us with the tight end. <laughs> like, how do we wow, not need, we need how do we not need a linebacker? We need linebackers, right? Yeah. That's the most, need, that, that's, that was the most, that was the most wild take. I mean, I know there's a desk and, and, and I'm going to keep going because that really pissed me off because he also said that <laughs> the Jets are in, Let us know how you feel, in, John. Let us know how you feel. One of the needs. He, he mentioned a couple ones that obviously we need right guard, et cetera, tight end. But then he said ball hawking cornerback. We need a cor- a ball hawking cornerback more than a linebacker. What world do we live in? Like we have so many cornerbacks that could, you know, mend something together in a zone type defense that Robert Salah likes to play, right? We did, we did, we didn't do anything crazy. We didn't give up anything nuts to any wide receivers. Like, yes, we need an upgrade. I agree. But that linebacker. 
Like the, the the game, every single game was literally won because they just ran the ball right up our face or through their tight end. Like I don't, I, I have no idea what game anyone else is watching. Connor Hughes. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Shots fired at Connor Hughes. Well, because I, well, because well, I like, because I, you know, he's one of my favorite writers. I like everything he says. He's, you know, he's up with the team. He doesn't show any bias for the most part, despite what people say. But I have gripes. I'm trying to understand. Quincy Williams? Need, desperate need for a cornerback? Come on. I mean, I, I, I would love to buy JC Jackson. That, that sounds fantastic. I, I would, I would call JC Jackson at 1201 when a free agency opens said, come sign, we'll, we'll pay you whatever you want. You'll be our number one corner for the Jets and that'd be fantastic. But we need a linebacker, guys. Joe Douglas, John Malika over here will, will <laughs> gladly take the contract. Hand deliver it. Dude, I'll pick up <laughs> JC Jackson right now. What do you need, JC? Also, Connor Hughes, please come on the pod so that John can just ask you questions about linebacker needs and need a <laughs> ball hawking cornerback. We need this to happen. We need, I'll, we need I'll talk this, to you about Marvel too. I'll make you, I'll make you happy. I'll talk to you about Marvel. We won't talk all Jets. I know you like that. And you're a Knicks yeah, fan. We have, we have some and, and problems, man. And you're a Knicks fan. All right. And you're a Knicks fan. So you can come, uh, look, we love the Knicks. You can come soak in misery with us. It's all good here. It's a safe space. Very safe space. Not safe when you write shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we got, man? What else do we got to talk about? That's what do you got on the defense, Greg? Because I, I want to talk about the safety stuff, uh, and, and a report about the safeties and we'll get into that a little bit, but I, I know I want on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> Greg, what do you got on the defense, man? Yeah, I mean, my biggest takeaway, so my big two big takeaways from this draft so far, and again, we're two months away, three months away from the actual draft, so still plenty of time for this to shake out. To Alex's point earlier, there's things are going to move. We're going to we're gonna remember people. We're going to forget people. Things are going to happen over the next few months. So, But right now, my two big takeaways are this is a defensive-heavy draft, so I'm happy we went offensive-heavy last year. Maybe we have a couple more picks to defense this year because there is so much depth. There is depth at tight end. There is depth at well, you know wide receiver but there's a lot of depth that defensive pass rushers uh cornerbacks linebackers and even there's i think five or six good safety prospects in this draft so defensive heavy and also i really do believe that this draft more than ever again to you guys point earlier is there might not be those top end quality guys that are like surefire hall of famers you can look back at some drafts and there's like seven hall of famers taken in the first round I don't know if we have that this year, but we have everyday starters going into the fourth and fifth rounds. So maybe we do move back a little bit and pick up a couple extra picks because we might be able to get two linebackers, a ball hawking, you know, you know, cornerback, maybe someone from Washington, maybe someone from Clemson. There's a couple of good guys out there. And then we could pick up our safety to hopefully pair with someone that we signed in the offseason. And we figure out all three levels of our defense in this draft. And we get a couple of starters. Not everyone pans out. I get that. But if we we have nine picks now, I believe, if we get up to 10, 11 picks maybe, and we draft at each area of need, we have a real shot at turning this around a lot faster than I think I thought. Maybe most people thought. But we'll Well, see. So Let me ask you this. What about edge, man? Because, you know, some guys have like – Jermaine Johnson's stock has just like kind of risen as well from the senior bowl. Six five, two hundred sixty pounder, got a thirty fit, uh, was a thirty five inch uh, wingspan. 
Yeah, dude's like great. So we need an edge rusher, right? We have we have Carl Lawson coming back from injury. So who knows what he's going to be like going into the season? Mm -hmm. But you know, when you talk about the guy from need him on the KD, we need him on the KD move. Come back off the Achilles with the MVP season, man. It could well, it very well could happen, especially if our defense steps up a notch. But to your point, uh, Alex about Jermaine Johnson, I think he's great. I think he's phenomenal. I think that he's the seventh or eighth best pass rusher in this class. So you have stud pass rushers available in the first, second year. They're talking about him being an early second round guy. That means there's a chance that five pass rushers go in the first round. That means there's another shot that another five go in the second round. Those are all starters in the NFL if they're taken in the first two rounds. This is a deep pass rusher draft. So I think we're going to get someone. I think we're going to get someone in that early second round place instead of taking a tight end. I think we're going to take a tight end later in the draft. And I think we're going to get that stud pass rusher if we don't go at four. I want to know what you guys think about this Thibodeau talk because people are saying, especially Todd McShay, are saying wild things about this guy who's been projected pretty much the number one pick since last offseason. And he fell a little bit to maybe two, maybe one kind of up in the air. Now they're talking about him not being a top five guy through some rumors and some chit chat that Tom McShay was doing at the lunch table during Senior Bowl week. So I want to know what you guys are thinking about him and the pass rushers in general. Because like I said, I think it's deep. I think there's a lot of options. And there's guys after Johnson who I like too. There's a guy at Cincinnati that's pretty good. There's a guy at South Carolina that's pretty good. The Georgia boys. Guys in Georgia. I can't pre- uh, what about the guy in Minnesota? I'm gonna I, I'll butcher his name. Who's offensive lineman? No, boy Maffey or whatever yeah, oh, Maffey. Like his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's good too, but he's like, Muma. If you look Even at if you look at pro, if you look at pro football fo- focuses rankings, PFF's rankings, he's like number twelve. Like there are good <laughs> guys all throughout this draft. So, you know, I think there's I think it's kind of who you're gonna fall in love with. As the months go on, we're going to interview people. We're going to get, you know, metrics and numbers on people's speed, size, cone drills, agility, all that stuff. They're going to answer all the stupid questions, all the smart questions. And we're going to fall in love with someone who's going to be there at the top of the second round, probably, if we don't take someone at four. All I care so, about is the Wonderlick test, man. That's all I care about. So they got rid of that. Do you know that? Did you know that they got rid of that, Alex? I'm, I'm fucking around. Of course I. I know. I, I know you are. But did you know that they actually like outlawed the Wonderlick test? I didn't know they outlawed it. I know they got yeah. rid of it. Yeah. yeah, and they also just so we're talking about weird questions. They also made it a point of order where like players now have to report or are encouraged to report any weird questions, weird questions and teams will be yeah. reprimanded, uh, which I think is really interesting. They're trying to cut back on that, which me- just means that teams are going to push the envelope more. But anyway, yeah. getting back to McShay and uh, Tibbs. Yeah. I'm, I I know I was talking to you off camera uh, during the week, Greg. I really, tr- you ha- one of the guys that you really have to trust when it comes to the New York Jets specifically is Todd McShay. Him and Joe Douglas, our general manager, were roommates, right? And even if Dave Portnoy, you know, that, that's his boy too. If Dave Portnoy ever says anything about the Jets, or Todd, you just believe him because like they are, they know everything about each other. They're best friends. So I know that's a weird, you know, little triangle trifecta, but if, if, if Todd McShay says it, I, I, I truly believe it's, uh, it's at least being said in a circle around Joe Douglas at the very, very, right. very least. So he's talking about he doesn't like Tibbs, also, uh, Doosable. 
who is now a Jets media guy uh, who doesn't like to mince words. Also, a former Jets defensive player says he's not that impressed with Thibodeau. I also hear the other side of the argument where every single player coming out of Oregon is the, the, during the draft process is, you know, kicked down, whether that's, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, some of the wide receivers, like, and, and anybody, anybody coming out of Oregon is automatically taken, you know, just like talked about in a negative way. I saw some stuff about that as well. Honestly, if Todd McShay says it like this, this is where I stand. If Todd McShay says it when it comes to the Jets, I disagree with him. To me, this means that we're not getting tips. Unless, unless the other side of that is this is, uh, you know, a ploy by Joe Douglas to Todd McShay to True. lower his stock so that we can get Tibbs at four. You know what I'm saying? That's the only two, like, there, there's no other, like, in the, there's no in the middle for me at all here. It's either we hate him and I agree, or this is a complete lie to throw everybody off the scent because everybody knows Todd McShay and Douglas are boys so that we can draft him at four. Meanwhile, we are, you know, scouting offensive linemen to go in the, you know, bottom first, second. So, it seems more likely that there's a trade down scenario, right? Whether that's for Linderbaum, whether that's for one of the offensive linemen, whether that's for one of these wide receivers, right? Grab Christian Watson, grab Drake London with an extra pick that you grab in the end of the first round. Grab right. Penning with the extra pick and forget about Thibodeau, who we don't like. Forget about Neil. We have our, you know, our big, you know, $25 million offensive tackles. We don't need any more of those. Uh, you know, I, I, re- <laughs> I really see that that's how. Uh, that's how this is going to go because I, I, another quick point of emphasis is we actually have a lot of money, but we have the most picks. So if we have the most picks, we're going to have to spend the most money in the draft. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe we want to get less picks, but higher value. I, I don't know how this is really going to play out, but I really do trust in this specific process. So th- those are my thoughts on Tibbs. And I want to get Alex's thoughts on the Thibodeau situation. And I'm also going to give you another situation, Alex. We got Rich Cimini. Talking about how the Jets are interested in Kyle Hamilton, uh, a guy who I know you and Greg are terrified of drafting early, but maybe he's, you know, maybe not top five, maybe like, you know, down in the seven to 15 range. Maybe Jamal Adams scared everyone away from that, the kind of anti Quinton Nelson, you know, to Trevor Linderbaum's, <laughs> to Linderbaum situation. So what do you think about those two uh, reports, Alex? Well, with Thibodeau, I'm on, I'm on the same wavelength as you, you know, if, if McShay is like reporting it that it's not a good outlook, let's let's not move in that direction. Moving with Kyle Hamilton, can we not take a safety? Just like let's not take a safety. Just let's let's end that talk right now. Not in the first round. I'd rather that's a position I'd rather go into free agency and go find somebody. Like there's a couple good ones. Let's let's do that and let's draft edge linebacker. Let's go offensive lineman. Something around those lines. I, I get that we have depth at cornerback, not necessarily a true number one corner. I don't. I don't think we need to do that. I think we need to address the needs first, so that way we can solidify the defense and make it, you know, competitive and not just be a sieve when it comes to like run defense or even like the middle of the field when it comes to passing. Those are areas that we need to address. Even like for edge rushing, like we didn't really get enough pressure on the quarterback this season. Sure, there was good pressure when it came to run stopping with the up, up front to a certain degree, but nothing on the edge to get that quarterback like really make them feel under duress, cause like turnovers, fumbling. Like we were we were low in that in the, in the turnover rate, man, because of that. 
So let's address that position. If we get Kyle Hamilton, this dude has to be like the Ed Reed like level of like safety for he's that not. team. And he's not. So why are we even <laughs> let's not consider that, please. It okay. goes back. It's go back. It goes back to what uh, Nick Mangold said, right? If you're drafting somebody that high, they have to be transcendent, dude. Like at that position, they have to be like damn near a Hall of Famer. The money has the- to match. It's not even all yeah. about the story, right? It's not even a big fairy tale. Like the money has to match. So like, please, enough with the safety talk. I don't need it. I, okay. I just There's a couple dumb, good guys dumb. in free agency, bro. There's a couple good, like you're, you're not, you're not too off. There's the Honey Badger. There's Quandre Diggs coming off of that fibula surgery. There's Jesse Bates. Safety from Bank the Bengals, who has now Super Bowl experience. I take the Honey Badger. Honey Badger brings Mar- a lot of energy. Marcus man. Williams, who's gonna set the market, so I'm probably not gonna sign him. But there's like people like McCordy. Like, dude, if you can be McCordy and JC Jackson, oh my goodness, uh, I, I'm gonna be on a whole, I'm gonna be in a whole <laughs> different world. That'd oh, yeah, so be insane. <laughs> and then, like, you know, like you know, whatever. We'll break the market on JC Jackson. Get McCordy for cheap. That would be and kick it. You know, kick it back to Bill Belichick. Oh man, with Berrios on the squad. Dude, I'm, I, I, I'd be so hyped, but <laughs> that's a that's a different story. Do you guys have anything else uh, for this episode? The Senior Bowl, uh, offense, defense, Jets coaches, I think any we, reports? I think you want to talk any more smack about Connor Hughes' article telling us we don't need <laughs> linebackers? I think, <laughs> personally, I think we covered it all, man. I think we covered all of Senior Bowl. I think we got through a lot of positions. You know, next up. You know, after Senior Bowl, we're, we're going to get ready for free agency, start diving into that, seeing how we're going to attack. You know, we already touched on safety because we know Marcus May. Probably not coming back. Um, no. He's probably going to get so, like a five, six million dollar deal. Exactly. So a franchise tag. He would have been lucky to get a franchise tag this year, unfortunately, which is so crazy how that works out. <laughs> he like it's the last thing he wanted on the earth. And now he's I'm sure he dude, that's, he had that that's, franchise that's, tag. It's crazy. That's the terrible nature of the NFL, man. The the terrible nature when it comes to injuries and stuff like that. So I feel bad for the dude. But yeah, I think next up is just for agency, man. We we covered senior bowl. We talked about guys whose stock has risen, guys that really stood out to us. I think this has a good been a great episode, man, to really cover the bases and the Jets needs, man. It really comes down to offensive lineman, edge, linebacker, wide receiver. Those are the top four positions, like areas of need for this team to moving forward. So hopefully the Jets are able to just address them and with all the draft capital that they got. But on that note. No one else has got anything to say. Great episode, guys. I think this is a way to end it right here. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in for another Jets episode of the Next Jets, Etc. podcast. You know what to do if you haven't subscribed to this podcast. Please make sure to do so. We're on all audio platforms, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. We're also on YouTube, guys. So make sure to go over to the channel. Type in Nick's comma Jets comma ETC period. You'll find the channel. Make sure to subscribe. Hit that notification bell. That way you know when new episodes drop. And while you're watching a video, hit that like button. Leave a comment too. We'll respond to you. We'll give you a like. We'll like. We'll, we'll talk to you, man. We love talking sports. And while you're there, check out Winning Picks Weekly. John, video producer Greg, go down the NFL slate. They're going to be doing some basketball takes. As I said earlier in this pod, Super Bowl this weekend. Make sure to tap in. Big game, Alex. The big game. I hear there's something important (laughs) going on this weekend. Some football event. I have no idea what's going on. But that's going on this weekend. So make sure to tap in and get these guys' takes. That way you're all squared away to place your bets this upcoming weekend. And then last and certainly not least. Gatorade colors. (laughs) Why are we really here? 
Gross. <laughs> and, and last but not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We are there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in for another Jets episode. We'll catch you later this week for another Knicks episode. We out. Let's go Jets. <laughs>